everyone. Welcome to Word with Dr. Michael David Clay. The old saying goes, <laughs> handled with kid gloves. It's a phraseology. It's a, maybe a bit of adage. Uh, it certainly is acknowledging that something, <laughs> whatever it, that may be, that is in reference that you are there in handling, you have to be careful with it. <laughs> I don't think it necessarily has to do with anything with kids, or has anything to do with kids, or necessarily gloves. Uh, I'm not even sure the origins of that. But I would think, though, as I've come to know it over the course of my life, that generally implies I have to be careful what I say. Now, that's not all that complicated, I suppose. (laughs) Just watch what you say. Try not to hurt anyone's feelings. Be kind. Especially if they don't care. (laughs) They don't ask. As in care to hear what you have to say or maybe they're just innocently passing by and you feel compelled to say something about how they're passing by or the appearances that they present passing by. Sometimes it is better just to not say anything. But if you are placed in a situation where you are engaged or being engaged and they care or they have some angle something that maybe not about you (laughs) they care about them uh, themselves Uh, you may find yourself having to be very careful what you say how you say it maybe you'll get away with not saying anything it's pretty impossible as a psychological counselor conducting psychotherapy to not say anything. I've met those individuals who base their theoretical and practices and their operations, theory and theoretical operations, on really just listening. (laughs) We used to call that Rogerian. Uh, Carl Rogers, uh, I'm sure there's other iterations of it with that at the base. Just give them a lot of attention. Positive regard say a lot of, mm, mm-hmm, I see. And just like a mirror, maybe a sounding board, you'll offer them a way to bounce ideas off of you or see themselves better. And you really don't have to have any input. You can be truly neutral. <laughs> Most of you who have listened to the podcast with any regularity... No, that's probably not me. But I do appreciate, though, if I'm going to say something, if I'm going to be much more directive, if I'm going to supply feedback, if I'm going to do some psychoeducation, uh, some information, share some knowledge, information, information, research, which we do in the podcast, psychology today. Uh, I'm going to probably do that with some appreciation for their sore spots. And I'm going to assess that. I'm going to try not to trigger the individual to engender defensiveness because I'm not going to get any headway. And maybe I will, but it will slow it all down. I can't simply trick someone into doing something, nor would I want to. It's sort of 
goes around the primary, at least for me, theoretical premise that you have to learn to do this for yourself. It's not some magic that I can do to you. And maybe it's a bit dangerous if you think that way, because who knows what magic they're going to use. Um, Maybe it's with nefarious intentions rather than true benevolence or kindness or positive intent. As would then ethically speaking, all of us who are in my profession should stand for and legally we're supposed to represent, reflect. But sometimes I have to handle patients with kid gloves and it's just a recognition. They have sore spots. They have hypersensitivity. They're very sensitive and my job is to get around them. Or at least that not around them, around that, so that they then could see themselves and receive a bit of, I suppose that's all criticism, at least the directive part, my theoretical orientation, but it wouldn't be this for the sake of criticizing. It's just critical analysis. It's empiricism. It's, once again, feedback for the purposes of correction, making it correcting, making it more adaptive or hoping to find a more adaptive answer or solution. Bettering you at doing that. Engendering within you a critical way of thinking that doesn't necessarily translate to criticism or low (laughs) self-esteem. It really does. In that same way, science should and empiricism should. It should validate you. It should make you feel good. (laughs) At least that you're living your life in an authentic, genuine, truthful way. Psychology Today, January, February of 2024, personality section, sensitivity, go easy, I'm fragile. Some people label themselves highly sensitive to get what they want by Scott Barry Kaufman, PhD. And Scott Barry Kaufman founded the Center for Human Potential and is the host of the Psychology Podcast. I've noticed an increase in those identifying as highly sensitive people, or HSPs, in recent years, both in my university classroom and on social media. This decoration often seems to coincide with the desire to obtain special privilege or accommodations for difficult tasks at school, at work, or elsewhere in life. Is this complex personality trait being co-opted and exploited? Sensory processing sensitivity is a real trait. Some people score high on scales measuring the degree of their stimulus processing. Their awareness of subtleties in the environment and the ease which, which, with which they become overstimulated. About 15 to 20 percent of the population scores high enough on the HSP scale to be considered highly sensitive. Psychologist Elaine Aaron argues that being a highly sensitive person can be both a blessing and a curse. HSPs can be overwhelmed easily by their environment. They are bothered by loud noises and are rattled when having to do a lot in a short period of time. 
But they are also often deeply moved by the arts and music and are more aware of the nuances in their surroundings. Then we have the victim signaling. Elka Oak and her colleagues describe this as a public and intentional expression of one's disadvantages, suffering, oppression, or personal limitations, and argue that it is on the rise. If this were the end of the story, it would be simple enough. But then there's more. Recently, psychologists have been finding links between self-identified HSPs and narcissistic personality traits. Not all narcissism is grandiose and chest-thumping. Psychologists have discovered a quieter, more passive-aggressive form called a vulnerable or hypersensitive narcissism, which is associated with anxiety and shame for wanting the spotlight. Here are some of the items on the hypersensitivity narcissism scale. My feelings are easily hurt by ridicule or the slighting remarks of others. I feel that I am temperamentally different from most people. I tend to feel humiliated when criticized. In 2022, psychologist Emmanuel Jacques and his colleagues found that high sensitivity and hypersensitive narcissism are substantially correlated. The ease with which one gets excited or agitated strongly relates to such aspects of hypersensitive narcissism as contingent self-esteem. Self-esteem based on what others think of you. And hiding and devaluing the self. Moreover, the researchers found a correlation between the HSP scale and vulnerability-based entitlement, or the belief that they are entitled to special privileges, not because they're inherently superior to others, but because they have suffered and are fragile. This is not to say being highly sensitive to the world necessarily indicates vulnerable narcissism. As Aaron indicated, high sensitivity is both a blessing and a curse. But vulnerable narcissism does often lead to a sense of fragility, high anxiety, and depression. Being highly sensitive and signaling that you're highly sensitive are different things. In 2023, researchers Martina Kadzik and Marcin Moroni created a new scale to measure signaling high sensitivity. It included statements such as, when I mention that I am a highly sensitive person, others are willing, more willing to help me. And I sometimes tell others how difficult it is for me because of my high sensitivity. Strikingly, there was a zero correlation between sensory processing sensitivity and signaling high sensitivity. The results appear to reveal that those who constantly talk about being highly sensitive are, in fact, not highly sensitive, but are using the claim for personal gain. The researchers did find one correlation. Those who signaled being highly sensitive 
were more likely to score high on two other traits, grandiose narcissism and psychopathy or psychopathy. No such correlation exists among people who score high on actual sensory processing sensitivity. It seems that people who are the loudest about being highly sensitive, those seeking special treatment, are probably not highly sensitive at all, but have appropriated the designation to their advantage. These would be people high in grandiose narcissism and psychopathy. As an HSP myself, (laughs) I can say that most highly sensitive people feel too vulnerable to speak out about their condition and even feel shame about it. Nevertheless, despite their reticence, there remains evidence of a correlation between truly highly sensitive people, hypersensitive narcissism, and vulnerability-based entitlement. It's a correlation, but those who perceive themselves as especially fragile due to their personality and who aim to maximally avoid discomfort can be more likely to feel entitled to special treatment because they are actually more sensitive than others. They just might not be as loud about it as the false sensitive signalers. For the high sensitivity victim signalers, best of luck. For those people who have internalized their high sensitivity to the degree that it becomes part of their identity, I empathize but would caution that by staying in their comfort zone and avoiding situations that may threaten their fragile self-esteem, they may be missing out on opportunities to grow. An enhanced depth of feeling can magnify the intensity of beauty in the good parts of life and lead to enhanced creativity and joy. But it can also magnify the discomforts other people may automatically gloss over. Perhaps there's a distinction to be made, one that has been made in several categories a neurodivergence recently, between being a person with sensory processing sensitivity and being a highly sensitive person. Again, Psychology Today, January, February of 2024, under the personality, (laughs) within the personality section, subtitled Sensitivity, Go Easy, I'm Fragile. Some people label themselves highly sensitive to get what they want by Scott Barry Kaufman, PhD, who founded the Center for Human Potential and is the host of the Psychology Podcast. Now, I'm all about personal reflection and introspection. Uh, Many think that you can't do good psychological counseling unless you understand that is necessary to understanding further your liabilities. And what are they? That you have a perspective, that you are human, that you have the potential to have any of the things that you might be otherwise trying to treat in others. And should you not be aware of that... And rightly make adjustments as best you could. Then you may, in some ways, take what you can't see about yourself, and it then may corrupt your ability to see best what is good for others. And you may make many mistakes in the advice that you give, being the directive counselor you might be, such as myself. 
But you may tell them to do something <laughs> based out of your own persona, your own issues, your own difficulties, your own perspective. And that could be, in and of itself, the finding of narcissism and could be representative of personality disorder. And then what are you of any good to somebody else if you happen to be one and the same? It would be like the pot calling the kettle black. I think it is entirely impossible to completely separate oneself professionally from oneself personally. I think it is aspirational. I think it is ethical. I think the more objective, the more empirically based, we understand even empiricism at base, scientific methodology, the premise of the only way to get to validity, particularly when it comes to not only identifying correlations, facts and correlations, but if you're going to make inferences such as narrative and truth, you have to see it clearly. But who's going to do a podcast and not be somewhat narcissistic? Who is going to talk about hypersensitive persons except possibly someone who may have some interest in hypersensitivity? And who is then going to make then, and maybe this is the redemption in all of that, the self-disclosure? The relatable component, I'm hypersensitive too. I'm not saying that's disqualifying, I'm just acknowledging I appreciate that. You should appreciate that. Not only when you're reading Psychology Today articles, but you should appreciate that when you're listening to podcast hosts, such as myself. And you have to factor that in. Who is going to believe they've got something important to say, except that they would see something about themselves as self-important? I would like it to be otherwise. Who's going to be in the business of providing psychological counseling except that they somehow have something to say about helping others? Who is going to have, possibly so, the compassion to relate to your suffering, your difficulties, except one who would be in that way, maybe not so hypersensitive, but at least maybe more so on the radar of sensitivity, sensitivity radar, someone who has had similar difficulties and knows what it's like. And again, I'm not disqualifying anyone. I am just making the highest order, in my opinion, of disclosures and disclaimers. You have to take everything with a grain of salt. It is impossible to separate the subjective from the objective, except that you would run it through the filter of empiricism and science, research methodology, our sworn allegiance and oath, the Hippocratic oath of all psychological counseling, to do this within that context. But sometimes there's still going to be bleed over. I'm not suggesting the article is bleed over. I'm just capturing the notion that I am aware. I have to address people with kid gloves. They don't have to address me with kid gloves. They can be brutally honest with me. It doesn't mean that after the session, I won't go somewhere with one of my colleagues and debrief. And that is of highest ethical order. All psychological counselors should have somebody they speak to so that they keep them honest and they can keep then the psychological counselor seeking such a relationship honest. And maybe you could do that for each other and how convenient would that be? 
Except you get too much into that think tank sort of mentality, the reverberations, (laughs) the echo effect. You just got to be careful. That's why I do try to read journals. I try to stay current. I try to subject myself to divergent thinking thought processes, why I would encourage you to go seek a psychological counselor. You're going to figure out they have an angle. Everybody in that way of subjectivity has an angle. It's called perspective. doesn't have to, again, disqualify them. But you're going to get a different perspective. That helps you. Go see another one then if you get to the point where you think you've gotten everything you can from that person and their theoretical orientation. But what's theoretical orientation but an angle? And what's that angle built or based upon? Subjectivity. It's impossible to separate that. Highest order disclaimer and disclosure. You have to remember that. But it's not only psychological counselors. It's everyone. You have to remember that. But fortunately for you, as the consumer, most of us doing what we do are not psychopaths. And with that, if there is something to be said for narcissism, implying the quickest, easiest way to establish self-esteem rather than the hard work of all of that, that I just confessed, to keep that awareness, I'm just great. I know it all. If you care to look on my wall, you'll see the credentials, you'll see my certifications, you'll see my degrees, you'll see where I've had fellowships, you'll see who I've studied with, you'll see what I've studied, you'll see where I was educated as with my degrees, you'll see my nobility, and that should be enough. (laughs) I'll rattle off all my credentials for you, and that should be enough. I'll use that then with leverage when you might challenge my perspective a bit. You may ask me, not maybe as directly, but certainly inferentially, are you real? Are you authentic? Are you genuine? Are you being real right now? Are you just giving me some line? (laughs) You have to at least respond with some authenticity, some genuineness. Or they're just going to figure you out and they're going to say, well, it's good education. It was good information. The degrees matter in some ways. The number of years of experience matter in some ways. But they're really not road tested. (laughs) They're really not reality based in the sense that they've lost what really provides them possibly the greatest of validation. Not that they're going to tell you what you should do out of themselves, subjectively, but they're going to understand this is all part of the process. We all need to be real. That's part of that covenant relationship. (laughs) What is a covenant? A promise. It is, again, I think, foundational to the ethics of the whole affair. But just because I pledge allegiance, I swear an oath, doesn't mean that I practice it. I think that's what the article is capturing. I don't think the author is dismissive of the fact that he's subjective. I'm sure he's aware that he's a podcast host. I'm sure that narcissism has been one of his considerations. I'm sure that sensitivity has been one of his personal considerations. Sensitivity has been one of his personal considerations. But I think what the article, for me, what I'm really going to take from it that is of most value, not that 
any of it wouldn't be of value. Not that it wouldn't be factual. Not that it wouldn't lead us theoretically to some furthering of truth. And I've chosen to address my role as a psychological counselor as much as I'm going to address your role as the patient and apply both it to both. But I think what he is suggesting is as long as you don't resort to narcissism and psychopathy or psychopathy, you probably are going to at least get something out of it and it's going to pass base, most basic sort of standards of ethics. I'm not a liar, cheat, and a thief. I'm not just there to take your money. I'm not just there to tell you what you want to hear. I'm not just there to exploit you. I'm not there so that you can gratify my ego so that I can... I've needed a place all along to hang my degrees. I needed somebody to tell how wise I was, my credentials in life. (laughs) I'm hoping that you don't ever encounter someone like that because that is truly then for me... And I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the psychological counselor, the one who provides the service. That's probably as close to narcissism and psychopathy as you would, I'd care to get. If you were there, I'd care for you to get. Don't, if you're going to stay there, filter that in. Don't fall prey to that, lest you will then buy into the narrative of privilege. Somehow they're different. Somehow they're special and unique. Somehow you're not like them and you need to show them some favor because then you'll be handling them with kid gloves. And you may not even realize it. They're acting like, maybe there is a correlation. Maybe I know where the origin. They're acting like a child, kid. And you've just got to put gloves on unless you get all dirtied by it. It's a little bit facetious. I apologize. But you get the message and the point. It is personality. It's, it's something that is probably not going to change or go away. And maybe you're a wise enough consumer. I'm hoping that's what the podcast does, is educate you enough that you would know the difference. Um, that you can still get something out of it. Just modify your expectations. If you're looking for that Rogerian sort of model of unconditional positive regard that Rogerian Carl Rogers, I started the podcast with, mentioning him. Um, yes, I want to have those things. I want to have genuine positive regard. I'm making it about you. I don't want to make it about me. But I'm going to give you feedback. And maybe that's the point. Once you start to receive feedback, just realize it's going to be hard to make sure that that's sterile. It just seems impossible. It's much like anything that you as a consumer would take in in the form of any media presentation these days. They've all got an angle. (laughs) They've always had an angle. It's just maybe with that awareness, we realize that now and we just have to be better consumers. Hopefully, should you want to speak to someone, you'll have that in mind, but that most of the individuals, no guarantees, I wouldn't imagine, can't speak for psychology today or their intention with the directory, but I would believe that they've done their best efforts at vetting those individuals, qualification-wise, licensure-wise, degree-wise, disclosure-wise, best they could do, 
Yeah, and it's a good place to start. But you're really not going to know till you get in to see them. But that might be a place for you to start. Should you need any assistance, would you want to reach out to me? You can contact me at drmdclay at thewordhouse.com. <laughs> you can find us online at thewordhouse.com. You can call us 304-523-WORD, <laughs> 9673. And you can find us on Facebook and YouTube at WordHouse. Or you can come back for the next podcast where we will attempt to, as objectively as possible, through the journal Psychology Today, that captures research, according to research methodology, science and appearance, empiricism, empiricism, we're going to try to arm you, <laughs> provide you with a knowledge base that does maybe doesn't arm you, so you have to go out there and yourself become somewhat narcissistic and grandiose and taking all the psychological counselors to task to make sure that they prove themselves to you, but you'll be educated enough to know when you're being tricked, when you're being misled, or when you're really not talking to too much of the genuine article. But please, if it still appeals to you after I've said all of that, my total disclaimer and disclosure in mind, if you would want to come back, we drop the podcast weekly. And what is it? It's Word with Dr. Michael David Clay. Until we get a chance, however, to meet again, I want to wish you the best then of good mind health as well, mental health, behavioral health, as well in general, good health. Until we get a chance to speak again. Thanks.